The Pittsburgh Steelers played their third preseason game of the 2021 season, their first at Heinz Field, and the first one to see almost all of the starters play. Today we will look at what the Steelers showed us and their matchup against the Lions, both the good and the bad. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. On last week's show, we talked a lot about the inside linebackers. Then at Heinz Field this week, we got to see Devin Bush and new Steeler Joe Schobert play together for the first time. As a pairing, they showed promise, but also showed that they need more time. Devin Bush still needs time to get back fully from his injury and get up to NFL speed. Joe Schobert needs time to get accustomed to his defense, to the Steelers' defense and his new teammates. Bush looked a little rusty, like you would expect. He had a few plays where he approached a gap in the run game wrong. Uh, At least one time he overran a play. Schobert, for his part, looked slow on his reactions and his assignments, something you expect when a player is thinking about their role on a given play and what their assignment is, instead of just being able to react and relax and play. These are things that are going to work themselves out. These two guys need time. They need time in the Steelers' defense, and they need time together. They're going to be all right. Now, when Bush and Schobert came off the field, they were replaced by Robert Spillane and Marcus Allen. Those two played the rest of the game. That was it. The Steelers played four linebackers, Devin Bush, Joe Schobert, Robert Spillane, and Marcus Allen. Buddy Johnson didn't play on defense at all. He only played on special teams, where he has looked good, and he made a tackle in that game. Robert Spillane looks like he's locked down the job of the number three linebacker. After, you know, we thought he was going to be the number two guy, he's moved back to number three with the addition of Schober, and I like him a lot better in that number three linebacker role. Marcus Allen looked good. He has looked a lot better than he looked last season in this preseason. He's really good in coverage on running backs uh, and on tight ends. And even when he's thrown on a, on a you know, a depth wide receiver, he's looked good. Um, he also has improved at hug blitzing where the Steelers, you know, if you're on the running back, especially if you're on the running back and the, the running back stays into block, you know. The linebacker who's covering them turns into a blitzer and adds into the pass rush. Marcus Allen is looking good there. We saw him with a couple of pressures and with half a sack in this game. I think Marcus Allen is leading the battle to be the number four linebacker over Buddy Johnson, over any of the, you know, camp bodies, over anybody else. I think it's, right now, it's Devin Bush, And Joe Schobert is your starters. You've got Robert Spillane as your number three linebacker. And I think Marcus Allen has really solidified his hold on the number four linebacker spot. And that pushes Buddy Johnson to number five on the linebacker list. Now, the Steelers generally keep four to five inside linebackers and four to five outside linebackers for usually right around nine linebackers total is what they keep. And that fifth you know, the fifth at each position, either position. Normally you've got you've got four outside linebackers, four inside linebackers, and then usually you get one more, either outside or inside linebacker, 
who's mostly going to play special teams. Now, with Buddy Johnson being a fourth-round pick, and frankly, he's looked good. He's looked talented. He shows a lot of promise. He's just also showed he may not be ready for NFL snaps right now. Like He's not... He's not ready to be a player you rely on. Marcus Allen, Robert Splane, they're ready. They're ready to be that player. So while Buddy Johnson really isn't one of the top four inside linebackers, he's a fourth-round pick who's shown promise. He's playing on special teams. He's playing well. He had a special teams tackle against the Detroit Lions. I think Buddy Johnson makes this squad as the number five linebacker with a bit of a red shirt season because – I mean, he's a fourth-round pick, and he looks good. And he looks like what you want to be. Like, next year, he could be an upgrade on both Spillane and Marcus Allen, the way he looks right now. He just needs experience. He needs that season to to learn, to grow. By the end of this season, he could be moved up uh, into a higher tier. But right now, he's not there. But his promise says you can't really let him go, which means for me... Seals are keeping five inside linebackers. They almost have to. You can't, you can't send your number four linebacker off the team. You're not, you're not cutting Marcus Allen. You're not cutting Robert Spillane. You're going to keep them. You're going to have to keep Buddy Johnson, too. What stands out to me in that is we're now looking at, if we're keeping five inside linebackers, we're only likely to keep four outside linebackers. And three of those are set. TJ Watt's going to come back at some point. They're going to pay him. He's going to be he's going to be back, you know, playing for the Steelers, not just practicing by himself. Alex Highsmith has looked phenomenal, and Melvin Ingram is a lock. He's your number three guy, and he looked really good against the Lions, which is also going to allow the Steelers to ease TJ Watt back in if he sits out most of the preseason. You know, if he misses if he misses the whole preseason, they can still ease him in to game action because they have Melvin Ingram. Behind those three, Watt, Highsmith, and Ingram, the Steelers have two young edge rushers who are competing and playing well in Jameer Jones and Quincy Roche. Now the Buddy Johnson, Marcus Allen situation, where really Buddy Johnson's almost a lock to make this team as the number five inside linebacker, and this is all my opinion, guys. This is, this is what I'm seeing on film, and this is what I'm picking out from the roster. Not, you know, I don't have insider information here. I'm not claiming what the Steelers are going to do. This is just how I view, when I look at it, this is what I see, is you can't let Marcus Allen go. You're not letting Robert Spillane go. Buddy Johnson, you've got to keep it, right? You, you, the Steelers almost have to keep five inside linebackers the way these guys are playing. Now, That means Jameer Jones and Quincy Roche are in a rough fight because one of those guys is going to be the number four and one of them is going to be number five. And the number five outside linebacker is probably not making this team. The Steelers sometimes keep 10 10 total linebackers, but usually they do that when they are low on special teams at both safety and on any defensive linemen. Well, right now, the Steelers have two defensive linemen that play on special teams and Henry Mondo and Carlos Davis. One of those guys is making the squad, which lowers the, the need for a 10th linebacker. And you've also got Miles Killebrew, who is playing phenomenally on special teams. Arthur Millette is, is going to come back. He's been a real special teams player. You've got a lot of special teams talent 
at both on both the defensive backs and you've got two guys on the defensive line, you're not keeping 10 linebackers. The Steelers are going to have to pick Jameer Jones or Quincy Roche and let one slip to the practice squad. For me, right now looking at the situation, I'd keep Jameer Jones. He looks better. He looks more ready to play right now. If I, if you had to pick a player between the two of them to put into an NFL game in week one, right? Who They just need a rotational snap. Let's say TJ Watt is on a snap count because he hasn't played, and he comes and he looks a little rusty. You give him some snaps. You give Melvin Ingram some snaps, and then you need another rotation guy in there, and you're going to throw in either Jameer Jones or Quincy Roche, right? Which Which one are you throwing in in week one? In a tight game, I'm going Jameer Jones over Quincy Roche. Quincy Roche has shown talent. He's shown potential. But he's not really delivering yet. Jameer Jones has shown that he is solid. He gets the different assignments. He's he's more comfortable dropping into coverage than, than you'll see with Quincy Roche. He's better stopping the run than Quincy Roche. He has better awareness of what's going on than Quincy Roche. Quincy Roche has pass rushing potential. That is all he's shown so far. He's also a sixth-round pick. That's not a lock to make this roster. I think this is a fair fight. I think it's an even fight. And right in between them, I don't think Quincy Roche, like like a Buddy Johnson, he's a fourth-round pick. He's got a little leeway to get him that redshirt season. Quincy Roche doesn't. He's a sixth-round pick. And right now, for me, Quincy Roche is missing the bubble Jameer Jones is making it at the linebacker position. And that is a fight because Marcus Allen has played well enough and Buddy Johnson has shown the potential but not the polish that he would need to play immediately. And so with Jameer Jones showing up and looking like he has, I think Quincy Roche is now your is, is your Steelers draft pick most likely to not make the 53-man roster. Hopefully they can stash him on the practice squad, but you've got to keep your best players. You can't you can't give multiple people red shirts. You can't you can't do that. Quincy Roche is not and hasn't shown that he's ready to play. But that also means you've got a big you've got to watch out for game number four here. Preseason game number four is going to be a big deal. Tomlin is going to push these guys. You're going to see Jameer Jones and Quincy Roche, in my opinion, understand that they are two dogs fighting for that one bone, right? They are two players with one roster spot available. And it's going to be a fun, uh, it's going to be a fun show in week four. And also Buddy Johnson, fourth round picks aren't immune from being cut. Buddy Johnson needs to come back and show something too. It'll be interesting to see what he can show in the last preseason game. He's going to get time. Uh, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a good week to watch and see what happens with those three players, Quincy Roche, Jameer Jones, and Buddy Johnson as they fight for really the last two spots in that linebacker room. The linebackers were one of the main topics I wanted to hit on this show. Uh, but I, I want to, before we get to the halftime, I want to really, half of our show, I want to really uh, dive into the offense real quick here because there's a little bit on offense I, w- I want to talk about here. Uh, starting with the offensive line. Zach Banner returned. Zach Banner looked good. Zach Banner looked better than he did week one of, of, of last season. He looks like the player you know they that they wanted to be the starter at right tackle. Uh, he looked good. Uh, I was very I was very pleased with his performance. 
I think he really has answered the call right there. Is he ready to play? I think he is. Uh, and we'll, we'll see him probably week one as a starter. And I think that he's got the right tackle spot solidified. Uh, he's not going to be an all pro. He's not going to be a world beater, but he's going to be solid. Trey Turner next to him looks like Ramon Foster. If you remember later career Ramon Foster, not the end, not the last couple of seasons, but later, he's that guy that in a phone booth, in a small area, he's going to maul people. He's going to move them. Trey Turner is going to maul people and move them when he's in a phone booth. If he's in space, if he's got multiple people, if he's got to deal with more complex switches and stuff, he's not as good. But if it's just line up and beat the snot out of the guy in front of you, Trey Turner's your dude. Trey Turner has got it, right? He's that guy. And that's going to be fine. Ramon Foster was a good player for us, and we missed him when he was gone. He, he was noticeably not there last season, even as, as much as his game had dropped off. Trey Turner is going to be kind of like almost setting back, you know, Ramon Foster's game four years to where he's not quite as old, and we're going to get solid play from him. Kendrick Green. It's going to be a highs and lows player. There's going to be times where you look at him and say, yeah, that he, he he's struggling with his anchor. He's struggling with, with some of these powerful rushers at the, you know, at the nose tackle. Centers always struggle with that. Center, you've got to snap the ball, make sure that's delivered, and then come up and meet a guy. And if a guy gets into your pads, he's going to drive you back. Uh, that's going to happen. Fortunately, that's a problem Ben Roethlisberger has dealt with before. He understands that problem. If the guards are solid and the center is having a little struggle, you can help the center, right? The guards have to be on their game. I think Trey Turner is looking more comfortable. He needs to get more time with Kendrick Green. The guard on the other side of Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, looks phenomenal. He showed up. He has looked like Kevin Dotson on film. Uh, I, I think... But my take on the whole offseason and the pressure they're putting on him is they're going to be tough on Kevin Dotson. Because when you look at the film, when you look at the talent Kevin Dotson had, Kevin Dotson could sleepwalk through an NFL career. He could be a starting right guard and just kind of go through the motions and be that guy. One of those guards that never really, never really is dominant but is good for a long time just simply because they're that big and strong and talented. But if Kevin Dotson puts in the work, if he has the focus, if he has the mentality, if he has the drive to be great, this guy is a future Hall of Famer. He that's that's his ceiling. That's where he is headed. That's where he should end up. He should be an Alan Fanica. Like I'm not even talking David DeCastro. I'm talking Alan Fanica. Kevin Dotson should be that level of a player. And I think one of the reasons you're seeing the coaching staff maybe be a little harder on him is because they know that. They know he's that good. Dotson is going to be the anchor of this line this year. He just is. Uh, on the left tackle, Chukwuma Okorafor struggled this game. He struggled. He had some issues this game. He didn't look the best. Uh, and at the same time, Dan Moore Jr. looked good on the right side. He's looked good at left tackle. He's looked good at right tackle. He just looks good. So you're going to get some controversy there. You're going to get some people saying, hey, you know, you got to start Dan Moore Jr. over Chuck Wilma for. We saw last year Kevin Dotson not be the starter. We saw him start when he had to, but the minute there was a starter back, he was back on the bench. We're going to see that with Dan Moore Jr., as we got late into the season, 
and at certain points you you could see little snippets where Kevin Dotson struggled because he didn't know what he was doing on a certain play. Right? It wasn't a block he ran in college. It wasn't something he had had enough time to work on because they didn't have a training camp, they didn't have preseason, they haven't much time to work last season. You saw where he was behind in very small snippets. They were able to cover for him most of the time and, and just simplify the blocks. But there were times you've got to run the playbook, right? You're going to have to run some plays. And there were times where Kevin Dotson was exposed, where it was shown, hey, he just doesn't know what he's doing on this play. You know, he doesn't have the technique down for this. A core four is most likely still the starter. Dan Moore Jr. is definitely the better run blocker. Uh, he is as good a pass blocker with the potential to be better, I think, than a core four. But a core four is more reliable. Right now, Chukwuma Korafor is your more reliable left tackle. And if you look at what Ben Roethlisberger had at left tackle for, for a lot of his career there in Alejandro Villanueva, for a decent chunk of his career, I should say. It's a long career with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Villanueva was a good pass blocker who was reliable. Chukwuma Korafor is a good pass blocker who is reliable. That's what the Steelers are going to choose. They're going to choose the reliable because that's your quarterback's blind side. And that's what you're going to get. You're probably going to get Chukwuma Korafor starting. Dan Moore is going to get to play. He'll be the number six lineman, come in in the jumbo packages, stuff like that. And he'll get chances to play. I doubt Banner and Korafor are both going to play 17 games. But Korafor is most likely your starter. Well, all right, that's the first half of our show from the cutting room floor. Uh, when we get back, we've got a couple of other stories to cover. We're going to talk about Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to talk about the tight ends. We're going to, we're going to talk about a lot of different positions in the second half of the show. Uh, so stay tuned, and we'll be back. Welcome back to The Cutting Room Floor. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. As always, The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you by the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts. We've got multiple podcasts a day. Check it out. Just just wherever you are, whatever pod program you're on, platform you're on, whatever, whatever you listen to your podcast on, whatever you're listening to this on, look up Behind the Steel Curtain for all of our podcasts. Check them out. Great stuff all week. Uh, I have another show coming up every every Wednesday night on YouTube. It's live at 9 p.m. You can hang out with us there uh, on at our YouTube channel is BT, BTSC Radio. Uh, and every Thursday it comes it comes out, and you can you can listen to us on Thursday if you want to listen to us on just the audio version. But if you want to see my pretty face and Michael Beck's, you know, Canadian handsomeness. Um, <laughs> Wow. Uh, check us out on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Check out all of the Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts. All right. Let's get back. Let's get back to football. Let's get back to football. That's, that's something I can talk about reasonably without stammering and making stupid comments. Okay. Uh, let's go. Let's stick with the offense here for a minute. 
as we come back. Ben Roethlisberger played. Ben Roethlisberger played. And, and let me tell you, Steeler fans, if you want something to take away from that game to be excited about, the number one thing is Ben Roethlisberger is back. Ben is back. 2019, we had an injured Ben Roethlisberger, and it was the worst games he's played in his career. Right, that was the worst we've seen of him. 2020, he comes back. He's at he's at a re, to rehab all season. He didn't get to throw much. There wasn't a training camp really. There wasn't a preseason at all, and he struggled a bit. He was he he struggled a bit. He came back, but you could tell the arm got tired. You could tell he wasn't fully back. He was testing his arm. He wasn't as confident with his deep balls. There were there were some problems there, and then it didn't help that the offensive line fell apart. There was no run game. Wide receivers are dropping passes. There was a stretch of games. He's throwing the ball in under two seconds, right? Receivers don't get to get open there. He doesn't get to see, okay, Chase Claypool is beating his defensive back. Let me lead him over there. It was... Hopefully Chase Claypool beats that guy. I'll just lob it up. Maybe he'll beat the defensive back and get under the ball and make the play, right? There were games where that's what he's throwing. He doesn't have time to get open because the offensive line was in shambles. So he's back, folks. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to tell you this. He's moving good. He's throwing the ball better. He was chucking it downfield, and they were they were good throws. One of them he wasn't happy with, you know, wasn't good enough, but that's Ben. We're used to that. Ben's never happy with his own performance. He's always striving to get better, but he's back. This team has a real quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger's back. You know, his demise is, is, is overrated. Behind Ben Roethlisberger, there's some backup quarterbacks. You, like, like, really, they don't matter. Ben Roethlisberger's back. And that's how the Steelers are treating them. While the fans have been crazy about this Rudolph Haskins quarterback battle, the Steelers don't care. The Steelers don't care. They are preparing two guys to be their backup quarterbacks. There's no, there's no quarterback battle. It's not there. The only way it would have been one is if Mason Rudolph had come out and absolutely stunk up the joint, and he hasn't. He's been efficient. He hasn't been flashy, but he's not trying to be flashy. He's prepping to be a backup quarterback. Dwayne Haskins hasn't been flashy either. They're playing inside the offense. They're, they're executing Matt Canada's system, and that's all they're doing. They're both looked efficient. They've had their highs and lows. When the offensive line is playing better, they look great. When the offensive line isn't playing well, they don't look great. Both of them. So, hey, it's not a thing. Steeler fans, there's no quarterback battle there. Um, you're just going to see him be backups next year. There, there's a reason behind this. I wrote a whole article about this. Uh, you can find it on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Called the quarterback battle, the Steelers quarterback battle that isn't a quarterback battle. Because it's not a quarterback battle. The Steelers have Mason Rudolph under contract next year for cheap for quarterbacks, under $5 million. Dwayne Haskins is a restricted free agent at the end of the season. If the Steelers decide to first-round tag him, meaning in order for someone to get him from us, they would have to pay more than, than like, I think it's $5.6 million. They'd have to pay more than that and give the Steelers a first-round pick. Not happening, right? That's not happening. If, they, if, if Dwayne Haskins looks like he's the future star of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they get him next year for $5.6 million. Or they lose him and get a first, someone else's first-round pick. Not going to happen. 
They have Mason Rudolph, and if they want him, they have Dwayne Haskins for next season. And combined, they would be less than $10 million, right? Just on their cash basis. That's your quarterback battle. If Ben Roethlisberger retires after this season, they keep Haskins, there's a quarterback battle there. If Ben Roethlisberger sticks around, there might not even be a quarterback battle then. They might just let Haskins walk. Or they might sign him and make him fight it out then and then cut whoever is lower with the non-guaranteed contract. So maybe next year you'll get a quarterback battle from those two. It's not there this year. It's not a thing. Moving on from quarterback, the tight end room, Pat Fryermuth had a heck of a game. Man, what a game he had. He is fantastic. He's going to play everywhere. He played, uh, he started the game as kind of the H-back role, moving around, going outside, uh, doing playing outside of the of the other tight end and, and doing inside blocks, all kinds of different routes. Key position in Matt Canada's offense. Later in the game, he played in line. So they gave him work at both positions, but it's, it, there's a clear development of positions there. There is the inline tight end, and there is the H-back. Tight ends play a lot of H-back. Other positions may play some too. Derek Watt played it, uh, some in this game. Terrell Ed- Trey, Trey Edmonds played it some in this game too. Friar Moose played that position. He plays inline. Phenomenal. His blocking's great. He caught everything. Phenomenal game. He's, he's going to be big this season. Uh, Eric Ebron. Again, showing off his improved blocking. The guy is legit blocking. He could block last season. He didn't put enough effort into it, though. This season, he's putting the effort in. He's doing it. He's going to be a solid to good blocking tight end when he puts his mind to it. Not like, I'm not not talking Matt Spath. I'm not talking a glorified offensive lineman, right? I'm talking about a receiving tight end who also blocks well. That's what we're looking at. With Eric Ebron. Is he going to drop passes? Yeah, but he's also going to make plays. He's a playmaker. He's he's not Heath Miller. He's not the reliable tight end. Ebron is a playmaker. He's going to make plays and he's going to he's going to fail to make plays, right? He's that dude. Uh Pat Fryermuth looks like a better version of that. He looks like a reliable version of Eric Ebron. That's honestly where Frat Fryermuth looks right now. A little better blocking, too. The surprise for me at the tight end position. Was Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry got snaps with the first team offense. They actually had plays. Uh, wrap your head around this, where they were at 11 personnel. Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback, and the tight end is Zach Gentry. The tight end is Zach Gentry. Wrap your head around that. He is their blocking tight end. Zach Gentry is your blocking tight end on this team. Ebron and Fryermuth are going to be your receiving tight ends. They're going to be your H-back role. They're going to move around. Matt Cannon is going to get creative with those two. I can't wait to see what all he does. But Zach Gentry is going to be your number three tight end. He's going to be your blocking tight end. That's 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 what they're showing right now. Uh, running back position, man, Najee Harris. Najee, Najee Harris is everything. He's been billed. He's great. Behind him, the Steelers have two running backs, and that's it. Benny Snell, sorry. You don't make the team from the tub. He wasn't that great to start with, and he's been injured. He's not making this team. Jalen Samuels? Sorry, no. The guys behind him? Camp bodies. You've got Najee Harris. You have Kalen Balazs, and you have Anthony McFarland Jr. as your running backs on this team, and there isn't a fourth one. Which, again, my personal thought on that is I would like to see Trey Edmonds. 
win the job. He's been a running back before he can be an emergency back. You've got three backs, right? If, if one of those guys goes down with an injury, you, you sign another running back. Trey Edmonds offers versatility. And I like what he brings in the H-back role better than what Derek Watt brings. I doubt they cut Derek Watt, but if they did, I wouldn't sweat it at all. I think Trey Edmonds can fill the role that Derek Watt fills for less money. I think he can do it. And and people are like, oh, you got to keep him to keep, you know, TJ Watt happy. It's not that big a deal, guys. You know, it's not like TJ Watt's going to leave to go play with his brother JJ. It's not like JJ was willing to take less money to play with both of his brothers. It didn't happen. He wasn't willing to do it. I don't, I don't think it would matter that much. Moving on from offense. That's it for offense. Moving on to the defense. Let's do the defensive line real quick here. Cameron Hayward's return. He's an absolute beast. I want to cover really quickly one play. Uh, I threw it up on my Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Fantaskippy, P-H-A-N-T-A-S-K-I-P-P-Y, at Fantaskippy on Twitter. I put this play up. Uh, it was a stunt, right? Cameron Hayward and Alex Highsmith running the stunt. Hayward's going to go get the offensive tackle, and Highsmith's going to loop inside, rush the quarterback. Alex Highsmith has been playing phenomenally. One of his few weaknesses he shows is on stunts. Largely because he is real quick off the line, and he gets upfield fast. And when you do that on a stunt, that means a big defensive lineman who's significantly slower than you has to catch up and basically chase down the offensive tackle. And what you see is Alex Highsmith out there, and you see this defensive tackle looking at the offensive tackle and running straight to him to try and get the body, their body on the offensive tackle so that Alex Highsmith can stunt inside. Well, the problem with that is the guard sees this. The left guard can see this happening. And they reliably just are like, okay, one hand on the defensive lineman. They're going for, I see they're going for the tackle. Pass them off, and I've got Alex Highsmith. Well, Alex Smith has, Highsmith has to go to a complete stop and then cut inside because he went up he went upfield too quick, right? That's nuance for a guy who, who's just absolutely been kicking butt all preseason, coming into his second season. That is nuance that Alex Highsmith will gain in his game, mixing up his rushes, mixing up the speed of his rushes, setting up different things so he can actually set up the stunt when it happens. Alex Highsmith will get there, but on this particular rush. He did it again, right? He, he bursts off the line. He's upfield. And Cameron Hayward is running straight at the offensive tackle. The guard see this, sees this, checks off, and is right there waiting, sitting there waiting for Alex Highsmith when he cuts inside. Play still worked, though, because Cameron Hayward meets the offensive tackle, puts two hands on him, and shoves him three yards backwards and hits the quarterback. I was ecstatic. I'm watching this. I was like, oh my goodness. Cam Hayward back again doing Cam Hayward things. I am a Cam Hayward fanboy at this point. Uh, the man on film is just amazing. Uh, and, and you're going to see, if you if you follow me at Fantascape, you're going to see a lot of Cam Hayward clips this season. You're going to hear about him on this show. You're going to, you can see him at my Twitter. You're probably going to see him in a couple of film rooms. I can't do all the film rooms about Cam Hayward. So you won't see it every week, but, uh, if you want to hear more about Cam Hayward, check out my Twitter. Check out here. We're going to talk about Cam Hayward this season because he is phenomenal. 
He is one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He's an all-time great. He's a future Hall of Famer, and he's one of the best defensive linemen to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's Cam Hayward. Anyways, behind Cam Hayward, again, this time Tua didn't play. We saw Cam Hayward and, and Tyson Alualu with the starting, the third defensive lineman, was Chris Wormley. That's to be expected. And he played good. He's been having a good preseason. Chris Wormley looks more at home this year. He looks like he, he understands what's going on. He's, he's better with his teammates. Behind him again, Henry Mondo. Behind him again was Henry Mondo. That's number five. That's your fifth defensive lineman when Stefan Tuitt returns to the field. Henry Mondo is your number five defensive lineman. Steelers keep six, sometimes seven defensive linemen. I could see it being seven with a 17-game season. But it could also just be six. There's no guarantee there's a seventh spot. For that number six defensive line spot, the last spot guaranteed to make this roster, you've got Isaiah Bugs, Carlos Davis, and Isaiah Loudermilk fighting for that spot. Man, that is a battle to watch in the fourth preseason games because these guys are fighting each other, but they're also fighting defensive backs. They're fighting Buddy Johnson, who's trying to be the number five linebacker, inside linebacker. They are fighting those guys just to make the roster. That is a position to watch in the fourth preseason game. Isaiah Bugs, Carlos Davis, Isaiah Loudermilk. Real quick, before we end the show, let's get to the defensive backs. Joe Hayden is back. Joe Hayden's out there solving problems. There's another thing I talked about. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a film room up on this. Those little routes, those little drag routes going to the right, quarterbacks scrambling out to the right, they've been killing us all preseason. We've all seen it. Tight ends beating linebackers, uh, slot receivers beating the defensive backs. They're getting out there. They're making these plays, heading to the right. The quarterback scrambles out to the right, and they throw to those little passes, and they're, they're beating us all season, all preseason. Joe Hayden shows up. They tried it one time. <laughs> Joe Hayden nearly took that ball. Joe Hayden jumped that route. Joe Hayden is still Joe Hayden. He makes a world of difference on this defense. He is so important to the Steelers' defense. He is an MVP candidate, MVP candidate for this defense simply because of the role he plays and the fact that when he is out, it exposes the linebackers, it exposes the def the nickelbacks, it exposes that entire side of the field, it weakens our run defense. Everything gets worse when Joe Hayden's not on the field. Joe Hayden, looking like himself, fantastic. Also back, Minka Fitzpatrick! Minka Fitzpatrick played, and he looked good. More than that, his partner in crime, Terrell Edmonds, his, his sidekick, looked good with Minka Fitzpatrick back. Terrell Edmonds is not a star player. He is a good sidekick. And with Minka Fitzpatrick back, hey, guess what? Terrell Edmonds looked good too. Uh, he's going to be solid for us. The other story in the defensive back room is the nickelback battle, which right now is Cam Sutton sliding inside, James Pierre outside. That is not ideal. Cameron Sutton is not the run stuffer. He is not a blitzer. He is a deep coverage guy. James Pierre is vulnerable to speed guys on the outside. You are going to see this team struggle a bit if that is all they have at the nickel position. We were looking at kind of a rotation maybe with Antoine Brooks Jr. and Arthur Millette. They're both hurt right now. The weakest link on this team right now is the nickel corner. And what that is doing to Cameron Sutton, who may be the second weakest link in this defense right now, is Cameron Sutton. Look for the Steelers with a little bit of salary cap left to be watching who might be cut, 
what teams might be willing to part with, who people teams might be willing to move on from at the cornerback position to solidify that spot. That is it. That's the last thing we got to talk about today. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to the cutting room floor. Make sure you check out the rest of the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and check out btsc.com, behindthesteelcurtain.com. Check them out for all your Pittsburgh Steelers news and, and wants and needs. And I will see you next time.